Wall Street is full of corruption and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over a hundred years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbine. Hey everybody, it's Steve, the Rogue Scholar and host of uh, the podcast Macro and Cheese. And uh, just start this broadcast off a little differently. I almost, I almost canceled this broadcast here, this, this show. Um, my world kind of got flipped on its head here. Uh, you know, my, my aims have always been one of forcing people to see things they didn't want to see forcing people to decision points they didn't want to get to forcing people to see things that they have been too afraid to admit were wrong or too afraid to admit are leading them to nowhere. I've been all about popping the bubble of false hope and trying to point to things that are genuine hope like modern monetary theory. But when it comes to politics, You know, I, I, I'm a lefty, period. And as any good lefty knows, neither of these two political parties represent almost anything that we want. And if you look at the Democratic Party over the last, I don't know, well, forever, but my entire life anyway, uh, 53 years old. The Democrats are always looking like they're fighting the good fight, but always end up capitulating in the end and, and not giving us what we need. I just refuse to be the bad guy for stating the obvious. I refuse to be the bad guy for stating the obvious. And um, I'm a registered Democrat. <laughs> just, 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 just to put that the fuck out there, I'm a registered Democrat. And um, I'm not a vote blue, no matter who. And I'm not afraid to tell the truth, even if it hurts people that I love's feelings. Uh, it's not because my intent is to hurt feelings. It's because my intent is to create the conditions for change, to force people. See, I, I've talked about this so much that I almost feel it's like, gosh, do you all even know me? I come from a Republican background. I come from alcoholism. I come from all these things. I've witnessed them. And the thing that made me change was that I hit rock bottom. There are far too many comfortable people in this country that will never, ever hit the rock bottom of having their teeth ground down to their fucking gum line. And the pain that you feel every day and, and and they they feel like you saying something about Biden or something is, you know, I have been on the record from Jump Street saying 
it's better to fight a common enemy that we're all willing to unite behind a fight than to put someone up in there that literally splits the resistance up and does the same practical things that the other side did with 25% of the support against it. We, you know, the whole concept of going back to brunch is a very real fucking thing. And they left us after they got Biden without the $2,000 checks, without any of the things. They left us. They left us. Okay? So all the suffering just goes on, but they got theirs. But whoa, lo and behold, Biden didn't stack the court. Obama didn't replace aging Supreme Court justices. The Democrats didn't codify Roe v. Wade. They didn't do the things they could have done when they had super majorities. In fact, they said, it's not my priority. I'm not joking. This is real. This is straight up historical references that are actual real things. And saying it should not cause anyone to say, huh, what? And so here we are with student debt. So I want you to understand something. You and I, when we go to college, we go to college because we're hoping that we will find a job. We're hoping that we'll find a career path. Parents save up money. They go crazy trying to pre prepare their children for college. They do everything they can to prepare them to get a degree. They take on unsustainable debt with this hope and this prayer that somehow or another there'll be a job at the end of the tunnel that will make the sacrifice of the time put away for the education plus the amount of money spent to get that degree. It's going to somehow or another get recouped by a great career. Now, I started at Ma Bell in 1993. I had been a homeless, derelict drunk up until that point. I happen to have a friend in the HR department and both my parents worked at the phone company. So they took this old drunk and they said, we're going to put you in the business office. I hadn't even finished an associate's degree yet. I was a derelict drunk, folks, a freaking derelict drunk. But you could get into the bottom. You could get into the mailroom back then. You could still do that work your way up the food chain. Kind of thing they had home study courses that were free they provided you with student you know like real real honest to god you know tuition assistance not just assistance they literally paid for your tuition you had to submit a form but you got your you got you went to school for free you were you able to do that <laughs> little by little by little the bill clinton era stripped away those things they became the neoliberal party. They became the, the third way. They started emulating Reaganism. And all of a sudden, Joe Biden, what did he do? Not only did Joe Biden make bankruptcy more difficult, but Joe Biden literally made it impossible to discharge student debt. Okay? And so you've got to ask yourself, why? Why? Did they make student debt non-dischargeable? Why did they make this such a noose when the purpose of going to school 
is so you can work for a company. And that company gets free training, education, and development with you with the burden of student debt keeping you under horrible, horrible working conditions. They don't care. And so you have no choice. You've got to stay in a bad situation because there is no alternative. Because Joe Biden pushed to make it impossible to discharge student debt. Now, all of a sudden, here we are, August 31st, fast approaching. Biden has known forever that an executive order could wipe out all student debt, literally wipe it out immediately. But Joe Biden is not doing that. He's not doing it. So I put this article that I'm going to read to you on. It's an important article. It's an important article. Okay. Joe Biden, you know, has options and has chosen what I consider to be a very, very poor one to just keep punting the ball, not really addressing things. And then when someone like myself, who is unapologetically direct, because I am so tired of all the very, very sanitized conversations, all the very, very delicate conversations, when people are fucking struggling. But we've got to tiptoe around because everybody's sensibilities get fired up when you say Joe Biden had a 50-year record of fucking us. Why in the world would you vote for that man? I get that Trump was there, but what, what do we have with Trump? Horrible, evil, son of a bitch, disgraceful guy. But one thing that we had was those shit libs that went back to uh, uh, back to sleep for brunch after the election. Now we're stuck. We got the Republicans who don't like Biden. They're calling him a damn socialist, but you know he's not. They're talking about all the spending he's done, but he's not done a lot of spending. Joe Biden is literally, literally celebrating austerity. Deficit reduction. Raising interest rates. He won't put a cap on gas. He won't do any of those things. So here we are with student debt, $2 trillion in student debt on our, our children, on our older generation, the generation that lost their jobs during the global financial crisis that had to reinvent themselves, go back to school late in life. And now they're sitting there with a huge bowl of debt and no real meaningful upward mobility that they can do anything with. So when you realize that what they have done is they have outsourced corporate training, education, and development, and they have put the onus on you and I, they've put the onus on the little people, Regular people, instead of making it a benefit of, you know, being a citizen or human being, they have instead put that investment on you and I. We have to carry that thing around like a 200-pound sack of shit on our backs. And we're supposed to do it quietly. We're not supposed to complain. We're not supposed to acknowledge that Biden was the one that put us in this mess to begin with by making it impossible to eliminate student debt while simultaneously saying, well, there was no alternative and going ahead and voting for him anyway. Now, you ask what the options are. Well, the options are this. 
There is vote left, vote right, and literally, literally saying, you know what? I'm going to vote for this person knowing full well they're probably not going to get elected, Howie Hawkins, whoever. But the truth of the matter is, is that I recognize out of two enemies, Biden and Trump, only one of those two enemies unites even the sacks of shit that went back to sleep for brunch. That's it. So in terms of where do we have the most energy, where do we have the most populist power, where do we have the most ability to unite and build structures that will hold this shit in place? I I, I say let the corpse and the cop fall to the ground. Because next up will be a Pete Buddha judge. What are we going to shame people that don't vote for that for not voting for that again? It will be the next most existential election of all time. The Republicans, this, the, the, the. but so we got to put a neoliberal in that wants to privatize everything. So student debt, you walk out the door, you walk out the door, your parents' house, you go to college. If your mom and dad have it going on and somehow or another, they're able to pay for your student debt. Wow. What a great life that must be. Poor parents, I feel bad for them stuck carrying that burden either way. But some people got it like that. Others don't. For the majority of us that literally are staring down the barrel of $1,000 a month monthly payments, $500 a month monthly payments for a degree that will never net the kind of work that we were promised when we went to school, the kind of beautiful upward mobility that was sold to us as we filled out these FAFSA forms and took on student debt that we didn't think we would ever not be able to pay back because the American dream says the jobs will be there. But let me tell you this, when the Biden-Bernie Sanders unity team that tried to work through coming up with what would be available in terms of policy space, when the Bernie Sanders campaign, Stephanie Kelton and others said, job guarantee. You know what? They said, no way. No, not going to do it. When they said to go ahead and do a Green New Deal, the answer was, nope, not going to do it. So they came up with some fucking ridiculous thing called Build Back Better that Biden didn't have the spine to push through his own goddamn party when they had a supermajority because cinema and mansion somehow or another control the entire world or the parliamentarian or whatever, okay? So let's keep it real, yo. I'm a little dude with a mic with a camera telling you what I feel. These sons of bitches have real power and they have used it to great negative consequences. Yes, and let's be fair. Biden is doing something even more reprehensible. He's trying to privatize Medicare. I want you to think about what I'm saying. This isn't something we didn't know. You had to be under a rock to not know this stuff. And for years and years and years, no one wanted Biden. How many times has Biden tried to run for office? And they said, nope. All of a sudden, one more time, he wasn't even out of his slumber. He was still sundowning when the primaries were going on. And all of a sudden they say, hey, Joe, hey, Joe, got to get rid of the Sanders guy. All of a sudden, Joe comes out of the blue out of six primaries later after getting his clock cleaned in every one of them. And suddenly the establishment hunkered down and said, 
you shall not have any good thing, people. We're going to give you Joe Biden. And then the best part is a little later on, your friends are going to bitch at you if you didn't go with Joe. They're going to get mad at you and they're going to gaslight you for not going with Joe. The guy that took away the ability to discharge student debt, the guy who made it harder to file bankruptcy, the guy who's made neoliberalism the most important thing. He's got countless hours of fucking video talking about cutting Medicare, cutting every fucking thing. But yeah, I'm the idiot. I'm the bad guy for saying this stuff. Okay. I'm the bad guy. So let's go ahead and read this article because it's super important. It says, what America's student loan debacle can teach us about neoliberalism? The central crux of neoliberalism is that it accepts the inequities of our society as normal and justified. Okay. I've got more to say on this than what they're saying in this article, but just suffice it to say, this is it. And it says, earlier this month, the Biden administration extended its pandemic era deferment on student loans again. This marks the sixth time since March 2020 that the student loan payment pause has been extended, this time to August 31st, 2022. It's like 30 days away, folks. Okay, 30 days away. This is mixed news for millions of debt holders. It's a welcome relief, but it's also a punt. Borrowers do not know if payments will be required come August. The administration could, of course, extend the pause again. But endless extensions carry their own challenges. And even if borrowers don't have to pay until August, it's not all that far away, which puts a real cramp in their finances anyway. Then there's inflation. To account for rising prices, economists believe that the average family should budget an additional $5,200. Think about this. $5,200 additional dollars that you should be doing for inflation. Now, if you divide that by 12, okay? 12 into 50 is what, four? So you're talking about better than $400 a month that you need to have in your back pocket, okay? $400 extra a month for families that are already living hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck, et cetera, okay? And it says, considering that the average student debt payment is 4,716 annually, inflation is making debt repayment even harder. So let's add that together. They're saying add $5,200 to your annual expenses based on inflation. Add in the average debt payment for student loans, and you're talking about literally $10,000 extra. $10,000 extra a year that you're expected to come up with since student debt has been on hold for three years. You've barely been making it through a pandemic. All kinds of other shit's been hitting you, but now all of a sudden, they're about to end the student debt, you know, pause. Never mind the fact that Biden, with a single pen stroke, without even an act of Congress, cinema can't block it, mansion can't block it. Biden could do this with a single pen stroke. Will not do it. But yet I'm the bad guy for pointing this out. Think about what perversion that is. Think about what perversion that is. And it says, then there's inflation. And to account for rising prices, economists believe that the average that the average family should budget an additional $5,200 considering that the average student debt payment, $47.16 annually. Inflation is making debt repayment even harder. Kicking the can down the road is only sustainable for so long. At some point, you run out of road. But America's a ballooning student debt crisis 
loan crisis is emblematic of neoliberal policy failure, more generally both in how it was created and the failures of programs intended to solve it. First, there's the fact of the loan crisis's very existence. Student loans themselves are a problem that shouldn't exist. In a country that achieved its success on being the destination to build your skills, the notion that you have to take out tens of thousands of dollars in loans to do shit should be anathema, hated, evil, sick, fuck you, right? Right? Sick and fuck you. So let me say that again for effect. First, there's the fact that the loan crisis's very existence, student loans themselves, are a problem that shouldn't exist. In a country that has achieved its successes on being the destination to build your skills, the notion that you have to take out tens of thousands of dollars in loans to do so should be anathema. Indeed, it used to be. Part of what powered that American dream was easy access to skill building through a system of well-funded land grants and public universities. The University of Michigan, my alma mater, used to be the uncommon education for the common man. Increasingly, that common person's is finding herself priced out. A 2019 report from the Center on Budget Policy Priorities found that funding for universities was down 13% over the previous 10 years. Meanwhile, tuition is up 25%. Why is tuition up nearly twice the gap in funding? Because the loss of public funding has set off an arms race to compete for high-income students to cover it. That means investments in ancillary services like recreation centers or dining halls. Cut government funding, allow the market to fill in, that is fucking neoliberalism in a nutshell. And the consequences are carried by students that can't fucking afford ballooning tuition and are forced to take on massive student loans. Today's average student loan debt is nearly 33000 up from 5400 in 1989. Let me just tell you guys, I have $126,000 in student debt. $126,000 in student debt. Let me say that again for the cheap seats. $126,000 in student debt, trying to achieve the American dream that they promised, they sold a bill of goods, and they have not given us an economy that in any way, shape, or form represents that sacrifice, that huge sacrifice. Days, life that I will never get back, and neither will you. Here's the worst part. Nearly 40% of student borrowers, including 54% of black student borrowers, didn't even finish their higher education degree. Therefore, they haven't realized the higher earnings those loans are supposed to offer. Folks, I have $38,000. $38,000. Actually, I take that back. Oh, my God. I forgot. So it's 18. What's 18 times three? I have $54,000 in PhD student debt out of my 126,000. 54,000 in PhD student debt because I could not finish my degree because of divorce, because of the global financial crisis brought us to our knees. Okay? My grass was 6 foot tall. My tractor had broken. My car only had no, my car had no reverse. I was literally trapped 
and hoping by, upon hope to survive by getting student debt so I could go to school and afford some of my living expenses because there was no jobs, folks. There was no jobs. I lost my jobs July 24th, 2009 from Verizon. And then for 18 months, there was no work, none. And then when I finally went back, I went from 150,000 in 2009 to 54,000. And all the debt that I had amassed as a family was still on my head. All of the debt that I had amassed as a family was on my head as a single individual now with child support. I had the men in suits coming to the door to foreclose. I had the men in suits. The student debt was all that I could do. That was the only way to survive during that time, period. And now I couldn't even finish the fucking degree and come find out that Walden University is one of the ones on that list of bad players. And so $54,000 in debt based on a bum degree from a bum institution because it was the one institution I could do online to try and get the degree that I wanted to get. Okay? All right. Therefore, they haven't realized the higher earnings those loans were supposed to offer. So does neoliberalism deal with the debt that neoliberalism has imposed? Neoliberalism eschews universal approaches to public policy, opting instead to define problems in their narrowest possible terms, rather than asking how do we stop forcing people to take on debt to build their talent, or even how do we wipe out this unnecessary debt? Neoliberalism frames the problem in its particularities. How do we ease the debt burden for the lowest income borrowers? And, and I swear to God, there are people out there that want me to not be harsh, that are coming and critiquing me from the back end. It's infuriating. It's disgusting. It's making me really, 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 really angry. Because I got to live with this fucking life. And so do you all who are stuck with this shit too. But you got to do it quietly or you're going to offend someone. You're going to offend someone if you dare speak out about the fact that Biden gave you 50 years to know who he was and electing him into office was only a guarantee that he was going to be the 50-year-old Biden, the guy who's shown you. When someone shows you that, trust him. The hot mic take for Biden saying nothing will fundamentally change. Hey, folks, nothing's fundamentally changing. Life is getting worse. Life is getting worse. So there's a trade-off between comprehensiveness and complexity. Programs that are comprehensive have far fewer rules and regulations. They are both easier to understand for beneficiaries and easier to administer for bureaucrats. Fewer people fall through the holes in the safety net when there are fewer holes in the safety net. Fancy that. Can you fancy that? Imagine that. When we make the program cover us all, there's fewer holes for people to fall through, right? So consider the Affordable Care Act, an important piece of admittedly neoliberal policy to address the problems in our healthcare system. Rather, rather than a simple blanket reform, such as providing every single American with portable affordable health insurance, it created a patchwork system of fixes, all interconnected to solve a few of the system's problems. The complexity made it easy for political opponents 
to pan hard for everyday people to understand. Its complexity made it easy to chip away, just as the fall of the individual mandate did. And millions of Americans fell through the fucking cracks in its labyrinth. Indeed, when President Obama joined President Biden in the White House last week to celebrate it, Biden also signed an executive order to address a family glitch that left nearly 5 million Americans out, not to mention the millions of low-income Americans and states that have yet to expand Medicaid. So what's neoliberalism's answer to, to its tightly framed question, how do we ease the debt burden for the lowest income borrowers? It's called income-driven repayment, a Kafkaesque loan repayment system that was subject of scathing NPR analysis, which we'll review at sometime in a future episode, okay? The program was supposed to lower monthly payments on the path to wiping out debt entirely after 20 to 25 years for the 9 million borrowers on its rolls. But of the 4.4 million who have been making their payments for 20 years or more, a paltry 32 have had their debt wiped out. That is 0.0007%. And I'm the bad guy for pointing this out, folks. I want you to know I'm the bad guy for being unrelenting, never yielding, always truthful. Truthful to the point where it hurts. Truthful to the point where I piss off people, friends, family, it doesn't matter. I can't lie and it fucking kills me. I wish I could. I wish I could be a lying sack of shit so I could appease people that want a liar to whisper in their ear, but it's not who I am. And I hate it. God, I wish that I could be that guy. So you know why? Because neoliberalism's gonna neoliberalism. The program's administration was privatized, sold off to a shambolic corporation called ACS Education Services, which failed to collect complete data about borrowers, including how many payments they'd made. When the government pulled the ACS contract, it moved their incomplete data to a host of other contractors who then lost even more. Meanwhile, millions of Americans are stuck without the relief they had been promised. Here's the rub. The central crux of neoliberalism is that it accepts the inequities in our society as normal and justified. That logic permeates the way it frames and tries to address problems, many of which it causes. And it rejects universal approaches to policy solutions as one size fits all. It leaves people who never experienced the consequences of poverty trying to architect solutions to problems they've never fucking lived. Gotta hate this. The solutions are elegant on paper and impractical in real life. And who suffers? The people whom the ideology has relegated to poverty in the motherfucking first place. Okay. So I'm, I'm literally out of my mind. I'm literally out of my mind. Because we're subsidizing corporations by forcing kids to take on student debt instead of making corporations take a risk on people. They put all the risk, all the responsibility, all the pressure, all the debt on you and I, on little people. And I'm supposed to be quiet. I'm supposed to not tell you that I saw Biden coming 50 years ago. I'm supposed to tell, not tell you that I saw Biden 20 years ago. I'm supposed to tell you that I didn't see Biden coming five years ago. 
I'm supposed to tell you that during the campaign, I didn't see stuttering, stammering, freaking sundowner Biden coming. I'm supposed to ignore these things. But why, how do we ignore these things? How in the fuck can we ignore them? This is the fight, folks. Because this is the same fight as climate crisis. It's the same fight as student debt. It's the same thing as medical debt. We need a debt jubilee. We also need people to fucking desensitize their ears so that they're not bruised every time someone says something that crosses their hard-held belief. Because the fact is, is that what we've done and we've done and we've done didn't fucking work. It didn't work. It didn't work. And so when you try to present the fact that it didn't work and that we need to organize outside of just the electoral process, because you know what? I don't want a fucking Republican in office any more than you all do. But I also don't want to go into having another Democrat in office that is a Republican, behaves like a Republican, is a Republican. Because in the end, it's not Democrat or Republican. It's fucking neoliberalism. And if you don't get that, you lost the plot. It isn't me that lost the plot. I fucking get the plot. I'm sitting up here confidently telling you this shit. I'm doing the research. I'm studying constantly. I lose sleep reading. I'm doing nothing but digging in. Put my family off to the side so and fucking learn this stuff because I want to change the world. Not be tone policed. Not be chastised for daring to speak ill of voting for Biden. This is only a surprise to people that didn't pay attention. Sadly, I suffer from always paying attention. That's the killer. I wish I could shut my brain down and be a fucking. I wish I could do that. I wish I could just sit there and be a blow up doll or whatever, whatever it takes to just not. Not be affected. Sadly, I'm in so much pain 24 hours a day with bum teeth and fucking bad arthritis. And I'm already starting off on the wrong side of the bed. You know what I'm saying? I'm already starting off bad. You're getting me raw. You're getting me with fucking open holes in my teeth, fucking raging. And I guess that I'm not alone. I'm guessing there's a few of you all out there who have experienced this as well and who are feeling it now. And yet we're expected to shut the fuck up because there's people out there that'll be offended. God bless Oh my God, I, I've, I, I feel like I'm suffocating right now. I literally feel like I'm suffocating right now. How many fingers am I holding up, Winston? Four. No, Winston. Uh, whatever you say, sir, whatever you say. Winston, the pathway to being healthy is to know that whatever you think you know isn't right. It's only what the party tells you. Oh, whatever you say, just stop hurting me. How many fingers am I holding up, Winston? Whatever you tell me. That's not good enough, Winston. We need you to understand. We need you to change your thinking. We need you to know. 
I see, I see three fingers up. You really see three, Winston? Or are you just saying that to get me to stop hurting you? I really see it. Okay, let's go. You know what this room is now, Winston, don't you? Oh, it's beautiful. Winston, what are you most afraid of? You know what you're most afraid of. You know what's in that room, don't you? Enter the rats. Enter the rats in the fucking mask. That's the kind of shit of dystopian future, of controlling us to make us, to make us realize, to make us realize that anytime you think out of line, they're going to be there to penalize you. Student debt, it shouldn't be a thing. Student debt should not be a thing. We are subsidizing corporations that now have personhood that have more voting rights than we do. They have more lobbyists to pay for the bills that they get put for. We don't have any say. And if we dare squeak, we've got somebody there sitting there going, shut up, stop bashing Biden. What's worse is that you know as someone that understands modern monetary theory, you understand all of this doesn't have to be. You understand all this doesn't have to be. See if I can pull this up. I didn't want to do this, but I'll try and do this real quick. If y'all will bear with me. Um, so this right here, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I don't know how long this will take, but I'm going to do it. Forgive me, folks. I'm going to add. I'm going to add a video. Nope, not a video file. An actual video. Share screen. Chrome tab. Winston. Share tab. Share tab. Audio. There we go. And I'm going to go in here. I'm going to pause this to make sure to make sure that StreamYard is not being a bad boy and will actually let me share this properly because this is super important. I want you guys to get this. I really, really do. This is from the book by George Orwell called 1984. And it's a very, very important part here. Unfortunately, it's about five minutes long, but we're going to go ahead and break it up so we don't get a bunch of insanity coming from uh, the police, so to speak. For example, Please let me know if you guys can hear the, which is the audio. Can you all hear the audio? And Oceania has always been a war with East Asia, has it not? Tell me what you think you remember. I remember literally a week before I was arrested. I see this and it's just heartbreaking, isn't it? It's just terrifying. But you are Asia. 
You want me to rewind it? I can rewind it. Let me rewind it real quick. No, no, I can't rewind it. You'll have to. I'll give you the link here. You can watch it on your own with all due respect. What you believed you held in your hand. They never existed. Say what you're about to say, Winston. In memory, I remember you. I don't remember. Only the disciplined mind can see reality, Winston. It needs an act of self-destruction, an effort of the will. Do you remember writing in your diary, freedom is the freedom to say two plus two equals four? How many fingers am I holding up? Four. And if the party says there are not four, but five, then how many? That's no use. You're lying. How many fingers, please? Four. What else can I say? Five. Anything you like. Will you please stop it? Stop the pain. Whatever it takes to make it go away. He's loving him. Look at this. Okay. Sometimes, Winston. Sometimes they're five. Sometimes they're three. Sometimes they're all of them at once. Neither the past, nor the present, nor the future exists in its own rightness. Reality is in the human mind, not in the individual mind, which makes mistakes and soon perishes. But in the mind of the party, the party, which is collective and immortal. Again. How many fingers, Winston? Four. Four. I suppose there are four. I tried to see five. I wish I could. Which do you wish? To persuade me that you can see five? Or really to see them? Really to see them? Again. This is horrible. But this is what neoliberalism does when you complain about Biden or you complain about any of the other Democrats not doing their job. This is what you're forced into believing. This is it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Better. 
So you understand. You understand that regardless of whether Orwell was a spook or not, and all the other things it can take away from the primary point of that video right there, that ultimately every time you speak about what we need as a people, and every time you talk about the people being drug off like sheep to do something that you know is destructive, And they can't fathom anything beyond this tartar, shitty, we got to win at all costs. What does winning mean? Define winning. See, I've, I've got this unfortunate thing. I'm also a project manager, so I understand timelines. And I say this so much, and maybe if I keep saying it, it will stick. I don't know. Maybe somebody get angry and gaslight me out of this too. But when you, when you say something that's disruptive to their way of life, when you say something that breaks this binary, when you, when you say something that tells people, hey, listen, there was another way. You, you just don't realize it. Sometimes you win by losing. Do you all remember Obi-Wan? I mean, <laughs> I hate to break out Star Wars here. But do you remember when Obi-Wan Kenobi was fighting Darth Vader? And, you know, he's st- sitting there fighting him in the Death Star. And all of a sudden he sees Luke. He's like, no! And Ben goes, ah, oh, you can kill me, but I'll be greater in death than life kind of thing. And so he, he allows Darth Vader to take him out. We have such a weird thing that sometimes like when a team loses a game and suddenly they get the first pick in the draft, you lost the game. Did you really lose or did you win the long term? Well, you got the first pick in the draft. The world's your oyster. People can't understand that there are alternate ways of winning. It's heartbreaking. Because you're dealing with black and white thinkers, very, 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 very thin veneer, no depth. And when you say this stuff, you're fighting for your life, right? You're fighting for your existence. You're fighting to get rid of this burden. You know how many people die from austerity? You know how many people die from hopelessness because huge amounts of debt are heaped on their back? How many people just go in the bathroom, shut the door and fucking put their toe on the fucking the trigger of a shotgun and just blow their brains out? How many people go behind a tree in a dark wooded area and fucking blow their brains out? How many people tie a rope around their neck and kick the chair out from under them and hang themselves? How many people just drown themselves in opioids and kill themselves because there's no hope? But, But yeah, sure. I'm the bad guy. I'll be your bad guy. I'll be whatever you need me to be. If it wakes you up and shakes you up and shakes the structure up. Okay. I'll be your boogeyman. I don't want to be. I'm, I'm a dad. I'm a guy that loves people. I want to love, but I'll be your bad guy. If, if, if everybody else is going to talk with fucking coded bullshit language and they're afraid to say the truth and they milly mouth around with it, I'll be your bad guy. 
I'll be your bad guy. If, if I have to be that guy, I'll be that guy. Beware the white moderate, MLK's language. Beware the white moderate who will put more emphasis in literal legalese than justice. Tell you what, I'm not joking. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and if I couldn't, if I wasn't an activist in my heart of hearts, I would just stop doing this altogether because I get so tired of getting my legs swept out from under me. I get so tired of getting kicked in the nuts. But Biden could eliminate student debt right now. Instead, we are forcing kids and old folk that have went back to school to carry massive amounts of burden. So corporations don't have to anymore take care of student debt. So they don't have to provide training, education, et cetera. And those corporations on their resume, on the, on the job request say, must have a master's degree and whatever, must have certification A, B, C, D, E. And then all of a sudden when you go and you find out the pay is not even the pay you made in the year 2000 in Y2K. After a while, after a while, you stop thinking about the standard orthodox answers to these problems and you start thinking out of the box and thinking, I can't breathe. I can't handle this. I can't take any more. It has to change. I can't take anymore. It has to change. And there are millions of us that are saying that. We just have to find a way to get in touch with each other so that we can unite together and make them do our bidding, make them take care of us, make them solve these horrible problems and not be gaslit by people that are supposed to be on our side. There's so much more, so much more that we can do outside of the electoral process. Voting is a transactional thing. It's a one and done. And then it's roll the dice. You have no idea what you're going to get once they get into power. But you can look at a history. And if you see history tells you that nothing good's coming from this. And you can pretend and blind yourself and go ahead and do it anyway. When I say do it anyway, I'm not saying don't vote. I'm saying when you can vote for someone that you know damn well is going to do damage to you, all in the name of preventing this person from doing damage to you. There's nothing they have to do to fight for your vote anymore because they know that they've got people by the short hairs. They're going to go ahead and do it anyway. They're always going to do it no matter what. There's nothing to fear from them. They don't have to change in any way, shape, or form. So without having a popular movement backing this stuff, ending student debt, but you don't have a popular movement pushing for Medicare for all. You don't have a popular movement pushing for the layer cake of the Green New Deal. You don't have a movement literally organized and making it happen. That's not allowing the Democratic Party to kill your ideas. You are saying, fuck no, we're doing this. But alas, 
you say that you'll be excommunicated. You won't, you'll be seen as being condescending or some other gaslighting terminology. But I'm here to tell you, we have no time. The climate is burning up. That debt is suicide making. Student debt coming down on people is suicide making. This is the kind of stuff that you will see people who have no idea how they're going to survive suddenly say, hey, it's easier to check out. And I don't want to see people die. That's why I do the work that I do is because I don't want people to die. Hate seeing people punch down at people that are fighting tooth and nail to prevent people from dying. But we got it happening all around us. Sure, you've seen it before too. I'll bet you've been gaslit by somebody before, haven't you? I can't stand people that gaslight me. I can't stand people that tone police me. And I can't stand people that think that somehow or another I went from being smart guy one minute to suddenly I just don't know my ass from my elbow. Pick a lane, any lane. Am I smart? Do I get it? Or am I an idiot? Which is it? Because the two are not going to be able to coexist. I'm either smart and I get it, or I'm a fucking idiot. Don't listen to me. Take your pick. But it's all cohesive. Everything that I'm thinking, every thought that I have, it's a straight line. I get it. I see it clearly. If you think I'm wrong, let's talk. But I'm telling you right now, I've done a lot more thinking than you have. Not because I'm good, but because I'm fucking obsessed by it. And I've lost more sleep than I care to admit. So with that, I'm Steve Grumbine. This is The Rogue Scholar. We need to end student debt now. Biden could do it now without any act of Congress whatsoever. He's not doing it. Why? Because he's a piece of shit neoliberal. That's why. And don't ever forget it. Now. The Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash real progressives.